Welcome, welcome to Park Church again. Uh, my name is Matt. I'm a pastor here on staff, and this morning we are wrapping up our Love Where You Live series. It's really taken us uh, all winter. I know it's spring today, but um, it's taken us through the winter. It's, it's really been about what our mission is together as a church, and the way we've talked about it is it's to bring God to people and people to God. That's why we're here. That's what we're here for. Um, the idea is if we can learn to love in the name of Jesus, where we live, right? If we can learn to love our neighbors, the people we spend time with, like our coworkers, if we can learn to love our family, the people who we see every day, um, in the name of Jesus, Jesus is going to speak to these people through what we do. And so that's what this whole series has been about. If you were here for the first week back in, I think, February, um, you would have, you might remember, we started it by talking about getting our stories straight. And in that first message, I talked about how there's a phenomenon that happens, and this is not a good thing, where we meet someone, we interact with someone, and really through one or two interactions or maybe a rumor we hear about them or just a glance across the room, in our heads, we can write the entire story of their lives. And oftentimes, we are really quick and good at judging the book by the cover, and what we do is we write that story, and then we write them off. And that first week, we talked about how if our job is to bring God to people and people to God, we can't treat people based on the stories we write on our head. Instead, we have to treat people based on the stories that God has written about them. And the story that God has written about each and every person who we interact with is that God loves them and he loves them so much that he came in person to give himself to save them. And if we can treat people like that, um, when our story meets their story, good things are going to happen. They're going to come to know God through us. So the first week, we started talking about their story This week, I want to close the series by talking about your story. What is your story? What is the story that, um, (laughs) there we go. What is your story? What is the story that God is writing in your life? What is the story that God has written? What is the story that God has written in you and through you because of you, sometimes in spite of you, that you can learn from and change and be transformed by? What is that story? For a lot of us, we can look back at our lives and say, um, I once was lost and now I'm found, right? Amazing Grace talks about that. There's a whole story there. For a lot of us, um, you might be new to faith and that story is really hard to figure out, or like maybe you just don't have it yet. Um, For a lot of us, we don't actually stop to take the time to think about that story to actually reflect on that story, to think about it. And for you, um, take some time to think about it. Ask yourself, why is my life different because God is a part of it? For some of you, I know that, um, that you don't even believe in God, that um, you're here, but you don't think that God is the author of any kind of story, that you don't think God is real, that God is actually a part of your life. And again, we are glad that you are here. My job is not to convince you that God exists or that God is real or that God is this or God is that. But I will say this. I believe and we believe here that God actually is writing a story about your life or in your life, whether you know it or not, whether you recognize it or not. I can look back on my life and I can see the story that God is writing. Um, when I was a younger person, when I was in high school, I was someone who had absolutely no faith to speak of. I actually actively disbelieved in God. And all I really cared about was, um, was having friends that accepted me, was being kind of included, um, and that sort of thing. And uh, 
along came Jesus into my life one day. And it happened through a group of Christians who showed me Jesus in a way I had never seen him before. Along came Jesus into my life, and I met him, he met me, um, and my life was changed because of that. And I'm a, I'm a different person now because of that. Um, my life is different, my life's about different things, my heart, my mind, my soul is different because I met Jesus like that. And there's a story in my life that God is writing. And for you, your like come to Jesus story might not be as um, dramatic as mine, and mine's a lot more dramatic than that, but yours might not be as dramatic. Your story might be more like, well, I grew up in a Christian home, and I kind of believe these Christian things, and then as an adult, one day I found myself believing this, and now I'm a Jesus follower. And like, that's a good story. We don't think that's a good story sometimes because there's no like fireworks in it. That's a good story. That's the story we want for every one of our children, right? That's why we teach them the way we do. That's why, you know, that's why we talk to them about faith the way that we do. Um, It doesn't need to just be the come to Jesus story, though. Um, You could look back on your life and say, because of God, I am married to this person or I'm still married to this person, right? Because of God, um, I am the mom, I am the dad that I couldn't have possibly been without God in my life, without Jesus in my life. Um, I can think about my friends who, um, one, is just was so torn up inside by anger and resentment because of what happened to him when he was younger, but Jesus came into his life and things changed for him. I can think of my friend um, whose life was stuck because of conflict in their family that Jesus came along and said, hey, you have to forgive, and he did, and his life is different now because of what Jesus has done. Maybe you were lost, and now you're found, right? Um, two weeks ago, I talked about how I, I was someone, and I still am someone, who tries to control, who tries to engineer everything, and Jesus has said to me, You have to learn to trust me rather than trust yourself. And I'm working on that and I'm learning how to do that. And life is better. Life is freer now because I'm learning that. Maybe for you, your story is at a point. um, The chapter that you're in is just titled, When. When, God. When is the thing going to happen in my life that makes my life different? When is um, my heart going to change so that my marriage works better? When is that um, addiction going to stop being such a, um, a bomb in my family, right? When, God, when is that going to happen? Maybe you're actually sitting there thinking to yourself, I hope God is not the author of these stories because God is a terrible writer. Or God is so slow to get to the exciting part, right? Um, I hope for you that you can hear that maybe you are in the middle of that chapter. Maybe you're in the middle, or maybe you're in the chapter right before that chapter happens. Maybe. Whatever your story, whatever the story of your life is that God is writing, um, I want to say two things about it. I really ask you two questions about it. One is, Don't you want the story that God is writing in your life? Don't you want that story to be about something bigger than just your life? Don't you want that story to be about something bigger than just getting through today or getting through the week or getting through the month or getting through the decade or getting through the life? Don't you want it to be about something bigger? And second, don't you want it to mean something bigger, not just for you, but for the world around Don't you want your story um, to not just be redeeming for you and redeemed for you, but to be redeeming for someone else, to be redemptive for others? Don't you want the pain that you've been through, 
the suffering that you're currently suffering through, right? Don't you want that to be healing for someone else? What we believe here, and we believe it because it's what Scripture says, is that that's what God wants too. That's what Jesus wants for us. Jesus wants to write and rewrite our stories, but he wants that to be good, to be redemptive, not just for us, but for others as well. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at a story that really captures this dynamic um, and shows us how our stories can not only be redeeming for us, but redemptive for others. And the story we're going to look at uh, happens in the eighth chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Luke Luke was a man who wrote um, an entire life of Jesus, from his birth, or actually his pre-birth, to his death, his resurrection, and what happened afterwards. Um, Luke records this story, and here is uh, how it goes. Luke writes, Then they, they being Jesus and his closest followers, the disciples, they arrived at the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. This was just a place that was kind of outside of the lands of God's people. Anyway, as he stepped out on land, they were in a boat, as he stepped out on land, a man of the city who had demons came out to meet him. For a long time, the man wore no clothes. He did not live in a house, but he lived among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, what have you to do with me? Jesus, Son of the Most High God, I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out from the man. For many times the spirit had seized him, he was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the wilds. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? He said, Legion. For many demons, for many demons had entered him. So you can imagine this scene, this story. Jesus sets foot onto the land. Um, A man comes out to meet him and falls before him and says, Jesus, what do you have to do with me? Son of the Most High God, I beg you, you know, don't torment me. Now, this guy's story, this is not our story, right? This is not your story. Show of hands, who is possessed by a demon here, right? It's like not many of us. And if, you know, yeah, not many of us. Not that that doesn't happen. There are documented cases where that kind of thing happens. But this is not something that we deal with day to day, being possessed by demons. But so it's kind of hard to imagine ourselves in this story. But if you use your imagination a little bit, it's actually not that hard. Because when you think about what the effect of having a demon is, it's basically a problem that makes it so that you can't live the life you want to live and you can't live the life you were made to live. Show of hands, who has a problem that makes it so that they can't live the life they want to live or that they were meant to live, right? Every single hand ought to be going up in the room. Um, We all have problems that make it so that, you know, things don't work right. Things in our heart, things in our heads don't work right, and that makes our marriage hard, right? Um, The way that our parents raised us makes it so that we're not really great at being parents, and that's hard. Or there's this situation at work, and this person here, and that thing there. And like all of these problems that we face, we have anxiety, right? We deal with things like depression. We have learning disabilities. Our kids have learning disabilities. There's all sorts of problems that just go on that make it so that we can't live the life that we want to live. It's not that hard to imagine ourselves in this guy's shoes. To get more specific, though, when you think about what his story actually is, um, he couldn't live in a home. He was forced to live by himself among the tombs. Um, think about that for a second. 
Do any of your problems make it so that you feel isolated from the rest of the world? So that you feel like no one understands what it's like to be me. Um, no one could possibly get that. Or that makes it so that your relationships are hard, right? Of course, we all have problems that make it feel like that. Um, we all know what it's like to be in his shoes, but this man didn't have shoes on. He was naked, right? So uh, nakedness in that day, just like in our day, is associated with shame, right? We talked about shame way back in the fall. I don't know if you remember that. Um, shame is not, I made a mistake. Shame is, I am a mistake. A lot of the problems that we face, just for whatever reason, work inside of us to create shame in us. We're ashamed of who we are. We're ashamed of what we were. Um, we just feel shame for reasons we don't even know why. It's not hard to imagine ourselves in his shoes. Um, and it's not just, you know, nakedness and being alone, but he also, he also was a man who was forced to live among the tombs. You think about that for a second. He was living among the dead. Now, unless you're in the Adams family, um, or unless you, you know, live in a graveyard or something, this is not you, but I've known a lot of people in my time, both as a pastor and a chaplain, but just as a person, a lot of people who have faced chronic or just acute um, severe depression. And when you face depression like that, day after day, week after week, the experience of that is like you're living, but you're really dead, right? Or you wake up in the morning and say, I'm alive, but what does it really matter? I may as well stay here laying in bed as if I'm dead. The experience is that you're living, but it's really like you're like the walking dead. Um, for some people, they make the decision that life is actually so bad that they decide to become part of the dead, right? And they end their life. We, we talked about suicide um, months, also in the fall. I think it was November 18th. And um, if this is a thought, if this is something that goes through your head, um, for one thing, I encourage you to go back and listen to that message from November 18th. It was called, um, Will This Ever Be Worth It? But also, I want to tell you, there is no shame in feeling that way. There's no, um, you shouldn't be embarrassed about that. That's something most people feel at some point in time. And we would love to be able to interact with you and talk with you about that, right? So that you know you're not alone in that. But for some people, this is kind of, this is kind of, this is kind of where it all goes. Um, it's like you're alive, but it's like you're living, it's like you're living among the dead. But it wasn't just those things. It was also that he was, um, that they tried to bind him up with chains and shackles. Because it wasn't just one demon that was living inside of him. It was too much for people to take. Um, the name that he gives himself, Legion, uh, in those days, that referred to, like, um, in the Roman army, something like a thousand, thousands of soldiers. So what's being said in this guy's life is that there are, like, thousands of demons that are inside of him. Thousands of thousands of demons that are preventing him from living the life that he should live, that he wants to live. Now, I doubt anyone here has thousands of demons living inside of them. Um, if you do, you're doing an excellent job of hiding that, right? And I doubt any of you have thousands of problems, but maybe you do if you stopped and actually thought about it, right? Um, what happens is we have layers upon layers of things that go wrong. And when these things add up, there's, there's, um, there's like an exponential growth to them. So that one day we find ourselves under the weight of all of these problems that make it feel like we no longer have problems, the problems have us, right? 
We no longer possess issues. The issues possess us, just like demons, right? You don't have demons. Demons possess you. So that you're imprisoned by all of those things that have compounded, compounded, and have gone wrong. For a lot of us, the way that this works is something like this. There's something wrong in here. There's something wrong in here. And that makes it so that every relationship is hard. And that makes it so that marriage is especially hard. And when marriage is hard and when home is hard, nothing else in life is easy, right? And then you're trying to parent kids together, and that's hard on its own. And parenting is tough, and so you're not the mom, you're not the dad you want to be. You make mistakes, and when you do that, you feel horrible about that because you're supposed to love your kids, but you don't treat them well. And so you feel shamed about that, and shame makes you feel worse about everything. And then you go to work to try to escape it all, but you find that at work, life there is also hard because work is hard, and work is sometimes unfulfilling, and the people there who are supposed to be your friends look at you and say to themselves, gosh, why is this guy always sad and kind of anxious about things? And you don't do well at work, you don't enjoy work, and then you, and then you have financial problems because you don't get the promotion or you lose your job or whatever it is, and then you start drinking too much, and then you start taking sleeping pills because you have all the anxiety, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then before you know it, it is like you have a legion of problems that are oppressing you and making it so that you can't actually um, imagine a way out. When we think about life, the way problems compound upon us, it's not that hard to imagine ourselves in his shoes, in his shackles. This man, the story that his demons are telling about him, he wants a different story. That's why he comes out to meet Jesus. We want a different story. If you've identified with any of what I've just said, we want a different story. Maybe it's time for you to come out and meet Jesus. If you are someone who has never come out from the tombs, come out from your problems, came out to meet Jesus, maybe it's time for you to do that. When Jesus comes along, maybe it's time for you to come throw yourself down at Jesus' feet and say, Jesus, I don't know what you have to do with me, but do it because I can't do this anymore. I need you to save me. I need you to um, release me from the chains. I need you to fix my problems. I need you to change my heart. I need you to change my mind. I need you to give me life. I need you to save me. If you have never done that before, maybe uh, Jesus is coming along right now and saying to you, now's the time, come out, give your life to me. Maybe. For those of us who have done that, it's not that we're free from shackles. It's not that we're free from problems. We have them again and again. Um, we can never stop coming out and meeting Jesus. We can never stop coming out and throwing ourselves at Jesus' feet and say, hey, take, take all this from me because I can't do this on my own. I don't want to do this on my own. I want to trust you instead. Um, maybe this is your time to do that. We cannot hear this enough. Because when Jesus comes along and we give ourselves to him, when we throw ourselves at his feet like this, he rewrites our stories. And he does, he does crazy things. Um, here's, what, here's what happens next. They, the demons, begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. The abyss is like, I don't know what it is, it's like hell or something. It's, it's worse than death itself. Now there on the hillside, a large herd of swine, of pigs, um, were feeding. And the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Again, this is super weird, right? The demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. 
when the swine herds, which um, is like shepherds for pigs, um, when the swine herds saw what had happened, they ran off and told it into the city and in the country. Then people came out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Sometimes when Jesus does things in our lives to change them, it makes all the sense in the world to us. It liberates us. And to other people, it just looks like madness. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Then all of the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got back into the boat uh, and returned. He began, he began to go. When we come out to meet Jesus and give ourselves to him, Jesus can absolutely change us, rewrite our story, um, give us life in a different way, and that could be scary to people. Maybe you have experienced a little bit of this. Maybe, um, now that we've talked about it, you can look back on your life and say, yeah, that was a moment. That was a time where God was changing things, where God was doing something different in my life. But now we get to the two verses that really are the center here. Um, Jesus uh, starts going. He gets one foot in the boat, and the man with the demons comes up to him before he leaves. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him, that he might go with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away and proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. Now notice there, um, this is a little kind of subtle thing. Jesus says, go and tell him how much God has done for you. Uh, Luke writes, he went and told how much uh, Jesus had done for him. This is Luke's subtle nod to God and Jesus. We're really talking about the same thing here. But the man, the man wants to go with Jesus. He wants to stay with Jesus. Luke tells us that when the townspeople came out to meet him, this guy was sitting at Jesus' feet, right? Which, in those days, this was um, code for, uh, this was the position a student took to a teacher. So he was sitting at Jesus' feet, um, listening, learning, um, soaking it all in. And what makes sense is he wants to continue to do that. He wants to go with Jesus and listen and learn and sit at his feet and soak it all in. Jesus' response here is super informative for us as a church. I mean, he says, no, I don't want you to do that. Um, I don't want you to do that because that's not what the world needs. Um, the world does not need you sitting and listening and soaking it up and learning everything. What the world needs is people who are willing and courageous enough to go out and share the story of what God has done. Your friends, your um, neighbors, the coworkers who you have once you get a job because you're not crazy anymore, those people need to hear the story. They don't need you to sit and listen and learn all the time. What they need is for you to go and share that story. That's what... Um, that's what this series has really been all about. That our job, I mean, job number one, is to go and share the story with people who don't know about it yet. That's what we're here for. That's what our faith is for. That's what our stories are for. In coming out to meet Jesus, um, this man's life is changed. His story is um, it's redeemed. 
for him. But the moment that he shares his story with someone else, his story becomes redeeming. His story, his story becomes redemptive. This is what our faith is for. Out of the things we suffer through, out of the mistakes we make, out of the things we wish weren't true, the demons we carry, God wants to bring hope and light and salvation and forgiveness and freedom and new faith to other people, bringing God to people and people to God. That's what it's for. That's what we're for. That's what your story is for, whether you've ever thought about that like that or not. And so to put it into Jesus' terms here, the question I want to ask you is how can you return to your home? How can you return to your home and declare how much God has done for you? In one sense, what we're talking about here um, shouldn't be that intimidating, but maybe it is. It's just talking with people who you know what God has done for you, what God means for you, what you believe about God. That shouldn't be that hard. I know it might be very intimidating, though. In another sense, though, what we are talking about here is evangelism. And the word evangelism is a very intimidating word. There's a lot of baggage that goes along with it. And a lot of people are scared away and totally turned off from evangelism because of what it implies, right? A lot of people are totally turned off because they think um, it's just awkward spiritual conversations and I'm not ready to have those, right? Or it's, I'm not going to do that because that's being pushy and I'm not going to do that. Um, You know, or it's just... The fear that when I open my mouth to talk, I'm going to be rejected. It's the anxiety of getting questions asked of you that you can't give the answer to. Um, It's the worry that your own life doesn't actually match up to the message you're trying to um, convey to someone. For some of us here, and I've gotten this question a few times, this is something you want to know how to do and how to do better. Um, And so what I want to do is I want to tell you what I'm not imagining first when it comes to evangelism, when it comes to, um, you know, declaring how much God has done for you. Here's what I'm not talking about. It doesn't necessarily involve involve knowing everything, having all the answers, um, or really having many of the answers, right? This is not about being able to make arguments for who God is or proving him through, through, you know, logical proofs and all that sort of stuff. Um, That's not what it means to share how much God has done for you. There's a place for that right? There are people who are gifted at that and who are good at that. That might not be you, and that's totally fine. Um, That's not what Jesus says to do. Go and prove how much God. He says, go and declare. Go and share it, right? A lot of times we are scared off from talking about our faith with people who don't share the same faith as us because we're afraid that we're not going to have the answers. And it's helpful to have the answers. If you can, that's good, but it's not necessary. Um, And so you could talk about something and someone can ask you, hey, what about this? What about that? And your response could be, you know, I don't know. That's a great question. There's someone at my church, though, who does know. And like, come along with me and we could talk about it. Right? That's what we're here for. Like, that's kind of how this works. You don't need to have all the answers. What you do know, though, is what God has done for you. And besides someone saying you're just delusional, they can't really argue with that. That's something you can share, and hopefully you could prove that from your life, like evidence of life lived differently. The second thing that it doesn't necessarily mean is it doesn't involve judgment towards others. This is not, hey, uh, you're going to hell if you don't believe this. This is not, um, do you know where your soul will rest if you die on your way home tonight? Like, that's not what this is about. That's, that's manipulation. That's um, threat. And there's no hint of that in what Jesus says here. 
Maybe there's a place for that kind of hard line of thing, but um, that's not what Jesus says for this guy to do. But a lot of the times we are afraid to talk about our faith with other people because we don't want to be judgmental. Because Jesus has a lot to say about not being judgmental. But we have to remember, um, sharing what God has done for us is not condemning someone else. It's not condemning what someone else believes. It's simply sharing the good thing that you have discovered, right? The other thing I'm not imagining is, I'm not imagining this is something you're going to do for every person you're in a relationship with, every time you talk, at all times, in all places, right? Jesus tells this man to go home and declare Home is like the place where he would have lived, right? His neighbors, the people who he knew, his family. That's who he was supposed to go home to. Now, Luke tells us that's not, that's not actually what he did. He went to the city and declared throughout the city how much Jesus has done for him. But if you think about that for a second, this actually makes sense. This was a guy who was notorious for being the guy, like the weirdo, who lived among the tombs who we couldn't even shackle, right? Um, when he comes strolling through the center of town with a big smile on his face, thumbs up, everyone is going to say to him, what is the story? What happened to you, right? I imagine that's not going to be many of our situations. Um, maybe if you're like a notorious criminal or you are like a notorious sinner and you come into town one day and your life is totally different, people are going to ask you about that. But I imagine that's not going to be the case for most of us. What this is, is um, sharing your faith with people who you, who you live with. That's kind of the name of the series, right? Love where you live. Like, that's, that's, what this, that's what this is about. And so what am I imagining then? The first thing that I'm imagining, and it's kind of a requirement, is that you have a story to tell. Is that you actually have a relationship with Jesus, a following Jesus, that your life is actually different because of this. And I don't want to brush past this. Just because you're here doesn't mean you have anything like that. But without this first thing, you know, the key doesn't even start the car. Like I said earlier, if you've not yet reached the point where you have come out of the tombs and come out to meet Jesus and say to him, hey, um, take my life, do with me what you will, maybe now is the time for you to do that. Maybe that's how your story begins, or that's actually like chapter three of your story. The second thing that I am imagining is not only do you have a story to tell, but that you learn how to tell it. We all have stories to tell if we're Jesus followers about what God has done for us. We just need to take time to stop, think about it, learn how to tell it. And here's one way to learn how to tell it. You can think about it like this. Every story has a before a during, and an after, right? Before I met Jesus, my life was like this. Then Jesus met me, and I believe this. I gave myself to him. I confessed. I believed in him. I trusted him, whatever it is. And then after, my life is different because of it. For me, before I met Jesus, all I cared about was acceptance, being included. I was very um, purposeless, very insecure, right? Jesus comes along. He comes in my life. He tells me um, that he loves me that he accepts me, that he welcomes me, that I have every reason in the world to be secure because God has given himself to make me secure. And after that, I, I trust that, I believe that, after that, my life is completely different. And I can walk around through life without all of the anxiety, without all of the fear of what other people talk about, without the insecurity, because the only person whose opinion I actually need to know is God, and I know his opinion of me because he gave himself for me. Right? Life is different now because of that. But it doesn't need to be the come to Jesus story. It could just be, you know, before um, my marriage was hard because I was being selfish. And then Jesus said to me, 
uh, hey, lay your life down for your wife. See how that goes? And I trusted him. I did that. And now my life is completely different now because of that. It could be before I was lonely. And then God led me to a community of faith like this one where I found people. I found community. I, I found Jesus. And now I'm not lonely anymore. These are the kinds of stories that God writes in our lives and rewrites all the time that we need to share. We need to be able to share that with our neighbor who's going through the same marital problem that we went through. We need to be able to share these stories with, um, with our coworker who's feeling insecure about themselves, insecure about their work, insecure about their job, um, because you've been through that insecurity. We need to share our stories with people um, about all kinds of things that we've been through that God has walked us through. When we do this, if we do this, um, it won't be perfect, right? We're going to mess up. We're going to say the wrong things. We're going to stumble over our words, especially if we're out of practice. Um, We might think we're failing at it. We might think it's actually pointless. But I promise you this, it will not be pointless to the person whose life has changed because you had the courage to share the story of what God is doing. It won't be pointless to the person who maybe comes out of the tombs and comes to meet Jesus and give their life to him. Because that's what God does in us and through us when we find the courage to actually share these stories. Um, Nothing can be more Uh, love where you live than actually sharing the story of what God has done in your life with people who you live next to, with people who you live with, the people who you work next to, go to school with. That's kind of where this series um, concludes. That's where this message concludes. If you don't have a a story, get one. Come out and meet Jesus. Do it today. You can do that. Um, If you don't know your story, work it out. Ask God to show you the story that he's writing in your life. Pray about it. Um, Think about it. Find the courage to go and share the story with someone else. Ask God for courage. Bring a friend along to give you courage. Ask God for that, to do that. And when you do that, when you're able to declare how much God has done for you, um, God will do amazing things in you and through you and because of you. Now, I want to close this morning um, and really wrap this series up by saying one more thing about all of this. Um, Jesus told this man to declare how much God had done for him, and he did that. But all that this man knew was what God did for this one guy on this one day. We, 2,000 years later, have the benefit of knowing or at least being able to know just how much God has done right? Because God doesn't just heal one person one day. Um, God came in person to give his life, to suffer, to die, to be buried, and to be raised. Um, And that's the story that we have to be able to tell. That's the story that we're going to dig into over the next four weeks. Not just one day that God changed one person, um, but we're going to look at the four days that changed the world. And what we're going to do is look at, really, um, the suffering, the cross, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus so that we can have handles to be able to get this in our heads, but also to be able to talk about this with other people. Handles like um, Jesus was captured, was imprisoned, so that we could be made free. Handles like Jesus took on our guilt so that we could be forgiven. Jesus took on our death so that we could have life. Jesus was raised to new life so that he could bring us with him. Um, that's kind of the big story uh, 
I want you to come back over the next four weeks, hear that, learn that, so that you could share that story as well. This is also a great time for you to be inviting people um, who need to hear that story. All right? So do that. Uh, it'll all lead up to Easter. Let's close this series uh, in prayer. God, we thank you for the way that you, uh, come, that you come to us, the way that you call us out of the tombs, that you call us out from among the dead to come to meet you. We pray that for each of us who need to meet you, who need to throw ourselves down at your feet and say, Lord, do with us what you will. We pray that you would give us the humility and the courage to do that. Um, if that is something that is tugging on our hearts right now, whether we've ever done that before or not, Lord, help us to come to you. Help us to meet you. Give us that, give us that push. Because what we want, Jesus, is for the story of our lives not to be shaped by our problems, but to be shaped by you. To be shaped by what you have done for us. And so we pray, Lord, that you would come to us and change things, transform things, give us new life, give us new hearts, give us new minds. Make it so that we have a story to share that is compelling for this world around us. Lord, give us um, the words to say, give us the, the, the opportunities to say it. Lord, give us the courage to say it. Help us to obey your command here, to return home and and declare how much you've done for us. Show us how to do that as individuals. Show us how to do that as, um, as families. Show us how to do that as a church. We pray all this. We lift all this up to you um, in your name, Jesus, and we, we praise your amazing grace, remembering, remembering our story, remembering where we've come from, how we were lost and have been found. We lift all this up to you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.